Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Transgender Athlete. Generally, this is under the topic of men who no longer want to be identified as a man, but now want to be identified in the role of a female. This is called a transgender person. And now we have it in the area of sports, and we have the issue of the transgender athlete. Now, ever since the Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage, which is uh, several years back, the LGBT activists have become very radical, more than ever. They now want men to enter into and use and utilize the services of a woman's bathroom. And they want boys who think they are girls to play on women's sport teams. Now, what a transgender athlete just did in America may infuriate you, but um, there are those that are very happy over these kind of development. It was Representative Omar, who's gotten a lot of news attention lately, falsely claimed that it's a myth that biological males have a direct competitive advantage in athletes. That that's a myth. Now, I don't know where she got her education and how much biology she received in her educational years, but that's a myth to think that way. And she even goes so far as to request an investigation into the USA powerlifting team for discriminating against the transgender. Now, to back that up, the powerlifting team of America and other countries tried to neutralize the transgender or the gender issue by having male teams and female teams. But now what they want to do is have one team and you are to join the team of your choice, disregarding whatever advantage you may have. Well, obviously, It'd be better to join the team where you have the advantage rather than where you do not have the advantage or where you have maybe an even, uh, an even advantage. You want to take the distinct advantage and join that team, of course. Now, there are dozens of high-profile cases in America of men who joining women's teams and having their natural advantages uh, work for them. You know, the latest case here comes from Montana, where a senior at the University of Montana switch cross-country teams. Now this guy, uh, after being on a men's team for about three years, his name was Eastwood, now goes by the name of June Eastwood. He is biologically a male, and he wants to join the women's team. A biological male running in the NCAA top division is competing in women's cross-country this fall by virtue of his entry into this uh, team advantage. And... Um, the Daily Caller, the newspaper there locally, made a big issue out of it. And they identified this guy, Eastwood, June Eastwood, as a transgender woman, and that he'll be representing the University of Montana. Well, as you can imagine, uh, Eastwood competes for the men, or he has competed for the men's track and cross-country team for about three years. And he felt like he still had more years to run. So, he now wants to do so for the women. And, um... The school says something like this through their athletic director. I understand there would be varying opinions. We all have followed the NCAA bylaws and policies in place when it comes to inclusion of transgender student-athletes in participation in intercollege athletic competition. He backed out of the issue by saying he wasn't the person of skill or knowledge or background to be able to make a decision as to the expertise of a student athlete or whether they would have a fair or unfair advantage if they ran in the female contests 
as compared to the male contests. Now, this is far from an isolated incident. You know, we had in Connecticut, just before that, three high school girls filed lawsuits over the fact that two biological men, boys, were able to compete against them in racing, in track. All three of the girls lost the races, and as a result of that, probably lost athletic scholarships. So that's their damage. So the whole question comes out, should a boy or a man who is a man and a boy, who now wants to be identified as a female and call himself a transgender, be able to compete in sporting events of the sexual orientation that he chooses rather than who he is. Now, what do you think about that? Do you think that men who think they are women should be allowed to compete against women? What do you think about that? Well, here's, uh, let me help you by the uh, starting some discussion on that question. You can answer it. Do you believe that men who think they are women should be allowed to compete against women? You can answer that question. Here's how I answer it. Yes, of course. But not in muscular activities, not in muscular athletic events. If boys want to enter into a team contest with women in the area of forensic, chess, gun shooting, badminton, that might be workable. Because those are sports that do not require muscular activity or muscular input or do not depend upon one's muscular body. They depend much more on one's mind. And if a boy, a male, wants to compete with women, with women, on the same team as women, let them then compete in those kind of sports where they may have an equal advantage, where it's on the basis of the mind rather than on the basis of the muscular system of the body or the structural system of the body. So there may be some areas in the, in the athletic community where transgender can compete and be considered fair and considered equal, but there would be very few. And of course, the transgender male, female, would not want that. Now that begs the question that uh, we have been talking about for a long time, and that is there a gay gene? Is there a gay gene? Is there such a thing as somebody who is born as a gay person? Well, not too long ago, I did a research study. I surveyed all the research in this area when it comes to twin studies, monozygotic twin studies. That is a set of twins being born from the same egg, but being raised in a separate home from each other, with separate parents from each other. One raised with the biological parent and one raised with the foster parent, but having the same genetic base. And when you look, and that's really kind of the hallmark kind of research that is done and to answer these kind of questions. So when it's all said and done, I read all the research on that area, there were no studies that supported that idea of being born gay. There were variations in the sexual orientation of these people, but it followed no pattern whatsoever that would indicate that there was a gene that would be identified as a gay gene. Well, then recently another research study uh, was conducted in the United States and in the uh, United Kingdom where they studied 480,000 people and did a genetic study of them to find out if there was a same-sex attraction or a same-sex gay gene. And when the study was done and concluded, the genetic accounts for only, genetics accounts for only about 8 to 10 to 12 percent of a person's same-sex attraction. And that takes into account thousands of genetic traits thousands of genetic traits shaping a person's 
sexual desires. So it's infinitesimal. It's small. It's unlikely to say that there is a same-sex gene that would be the basis of same-sex attraction. It's impossible to predict a individual sexual behavior from their gene base, concluded this particular research study. Genetics is less than half of the story of sexual behavior. Sexual behavior is a matter like a lot of things. Personality, a little bit by genetics, a little bit by uh, personal experience, a little bit by training, a little bit by life experiences, and so on. We become who we are through the learned process of life and the experiences that we experience through life, throughout life. And we begin to shape our preferences, and we shape our personalities, we shape our desires. And sexual personality, sexual attraction, sexual desire is part of that. Very little evidence to indicate that being gay or lesbian is part of the life experience on the basis of genetics. It's just part of life experience and the variation of behavior patterns that are developed and are set in in the life of people. If you take a thousand people, or ten thousand people, a hundred thousand people, you're going to find some people in that population who would prefer a gay lifestyle, who would prefer a lesbian lifestyle. But that in no way indicates that there's a genetic basis to this, or that they're born that way, or that they're determined to be that way, or predestined to be that way. All the evidence stacks up against the genetic basis and in favor of an environmental learned behavior pattern that brings people to the point where they behave one way or they behave another. Whether they're born in a uh, twin, as a twin or not, it doesn't seem to matter. The genetic basis argument is false, unjustified, unsupported, and we need to get away from that idea. The simple way of saying that, if two people want to live a gay lifestyle, in our society, in our culture, they're able to do so. They're willing to do so. It's choice. It's desire. It's preference. It's what they would prefer rather than some kind of an alternative. But you can't go beyond that and say, well, that was the way I was born or that's the way it was destined to be. There's no basis you know, for that argument. So be interested in your comments about this, interested in how you answer the question, should males who desire to be a female and who identify themselves as a transgender person be allowed to compete against those of the opposite sex? That'd be a question. You need to answer that one. I've come up with my answer, and I say it's in the non-muscular activities. So thanks for joining me, and bye for now.